yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle, and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective, and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. They were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Hi, Will. How are things? I'm doing well. We're 24 hours away from seeing how right we were with our Lions predictions, for one thing. Uh, obviously, a lot to talk about from the weekend as well. Um, what, what are your initial thoughts? Um, on the Leinster match, obviously, I think presume you're referring to uh, yeah, look, really disappointed. Um, I thought they looked a little flat. Um, I still think on balance they're a better team than La Rochelle. Um, but, like, if you let them come at you and come on to you um, in attack, they're, they're just really, really hard to to contain. They just have some... Like, I mean, I just thought Will Skelton was unbelievable. Like, he was fantastic for Saracens as well. Um, but that, better, I think, than he was two years ago. Oh, he was no, no, he, good two he, years looked, ago. <laughs> he looked really, really fit. Um, and I was amazed that he lasted so like so well and had so many positive contributions throughout in defense and more so in attack. Really, I thought he was really, really positive. Um, but like Leinster, like if you're going to be playing against a team that's a good bit bigger than you, and they had a few huge men, the collisions need to happen further back from the game line because you're not going to win every single collision against Will Skelton. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to win very few of them. So they just need to happen further away. And I thought their line speed was passive. Um, I thought they panicked a little bit and they didn't clear the ball very well when they were under pressure. There was a period where they couldn't really get out of their 22. And I thought they actually should have regrouped a bit better. They got they got away out of jail once or twice. And then I thought um, they should have kind of played themselves into either better positions to kick um, or actually just tried to run it a few times as well. They tried that a few times in the first half and they almost got away, like some very good defence by La Rochelle, but um, they were well covered in the backfield. And I thought that Leinster didn't really kick from great positions and also didn't kick very well. Um, So that was another thought that I had. Um, And lastly, and it's kind of a weird one, you probably heard me say this a a few times, Will. Now, I think they probably had a strategy thinking that they'd run the heavier guys around and maybe that they'd be fitter than La Rochelle. And that didn't turn out to be the case for whatever reason. But I think at time, there was a period where you knew they weren't going away. And I wondered at that point, should Leinster have taken a few, there's a few points in the game where they could have, could have, maybe I think they're going for it in every phase. They're trying to break the teams with pace and playing at a real high tempo all the time. And they never change that tempo. And I thought there was times where they could have done that a little bit better and just hung on to the ball. I didn't think La Rochelle's discipline was overly good. As a matter of fact, I thought they got away with quite a bit in the first half. Um, And I thought that they didn't really ever try to play that negatively, if you know what I mean, and just slow the ball down uh, and hang on to it. Uh, Now, I'm sure they probably didn't want to engage in too much of a tight game against 
La Rochelle. But I think there's Leinster are really good at that, even though they wouldn't have had the size. I think they've got the technique and the fitness to be really good in there. And I thought that they didn't do those. Those three things are what I picked out from it, Will. I know that's a fairly long-winded answer, but um, it was disappointing as, as an overall day out for Leinster. And they'll be left to rue another opportunity, another semi-final against a team that looked like they kind of physically dominated them. So disappointing. Yeah, and we're, we're delighted to be joined as well to pick through the game and maybe look ahead to tomorrow by Neil Francis once again. Neil, how are you? I'm well. Yeah, I'm good. To you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, so Luke touched on a few things there. I suppose from your perspective, with a couple of days removed, like, do you kind of see this as just a kind of on-the-day Leinster getting dominated by a good French team or do you link it to the Saracens games where powerful sides... Will Skelton, a part of one of the sides, uh, you know, getting the better of Leinster, an issue coming up against that specific sort of team. Like, what, how do you kind of assess it? I, I think the, the the coaching ticket are clever enough to realise how to play against really big, powerful packs. So they've had experience and they have had bad experience. So, you know, it, the 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 Saracens' defeat uh, in the quarter final last year. Uh, was a different type of physical domination uh, to the one that we saw uh, last Sunday. So, you know, I, I would have thought that they would have handled it better. Now, there were, there were a number of things that, that didn't go right uh, for Leinster. If you look at the Exeter game, um, Leinster's 8-9-10 were very, very good. Uh, so Conan had a super game. McGrath had a super game. Uh, Sexton was was motoring well until he, had to, uh, until he had to leave, and then Ross Byrne came in and did a pretty good job. And and your your executive, as they call them, they're the guys who control the game. The, your fifteen is is another uh, important, and uh, and and Keenan had a, had a superb game as well. So their eight nine fifteen uh, against Exeter were very good, and that's what won them the game. The pack obviously stood up well to a you know to a good examination from the Exeter pack. And you would have thought that if if the guys had performed to that level uh, against La Rochelle, they would have had a much better chance. But uh, the Leinster team were playing against a much bigger pack. Um, so I, I would agree with what Luke was saying there. I, I thought, you know, and it does sound very much like conventional wisdom, run those guys around the park. And I thought they were they were very clever, particularly in the second half. Years ago, we, you know, for Ireland and even for Leinster, we we had a call uh, called Shia, which is Irish for for down. So somebody just get injured, you know, and you say, "Oh, my ankle or my leg or my knee is." is... And if you look at it all the way through that half, I mean, how does how does a twenty five stone uh, forward last for eighty minutes at, at that pace? Because that was a fast game, that was a hard game. So he lasts for eighty minutes. Like normally, you'd be taking skeleton off after sixty. He lasted he lasted for the full match. And what happened? Uh, every five minutes, there was a water break. Somebody got injured. There was some kind of a stoppage there. Every five minutes, either the referee did it or uh, La Rochelle manufactured it. So water break every time, and that's it. They, that's why they lasted the pace. Having said that, I don't think Leinster were able to either control position or or ter- or, or, or possession at all and that was that was a major problem particularly in the second half um so you know you look at you look at the premiership and there are 20 teams in the premiership and you know man Man city are going to be very happy and there's going to be 19 unhappy sides so you know the best team normally wins the heineken heineken cup and normally with the premiership as well so were Leinster good enough to win the championship? I think they were. Uh, and I, I, I'd actually looked on to how they'd perform against Toulouse. Um, so, you know, they weren't good enough on the day. And if you look at it, uh, you know, sometimes the look of the draw, and I think location is location is huge. And, you, you know, if, if Leinster had played La Rochelle in Dublin, I think they would have beaten them, no question. And it would have been a completely different type of game. Uh, but they were playing in La Rochelle. They were, as Luke said, a little bit flat, and they just didn't perform the way we know they can perform. Uh, 
I also thought I just I thought uh, I thought O'Gara and and John O'Gibbs did, did a great job as well. They knew exactly how to play Leinster, and um, you know it could have been it could have been more. Uh, and just from talking to quite a few uh, of the French journalists, uh, they were quite surprised, you know, how well um, La Rochelle played, and and all of them said that was their best performance of the season, if not for two seasons. Like they haven't seen La Rochelle prepared that well uh, as, as exercised as they were, as, as disciplined from sort of 20 minutes onwards uh, and as good and concise as, as they were. That, that was their best performance in, in, in two years. So, you know, unfortunately, Leinster just didn't have the, they didn't physically match up and they looked, you know, 20% off where they needed to be uh, to win that game. So, um you know, like I say, the Premiership, there you get to the semi-finals, and sometimes that's all you're good enough to do. And um, you know, with that performance, uh, they didn't deserve to go any further. Yeah, look, and when you're looking back on on the game, is you know, Leinster started well, seven points up after the tight for a long try after that period of pressure. It got away from them. Then, is there any moments that they can look back on and think, "Oh, if this had gone slightly differently, or if that had gone slightly differently, it wasn't say like the Saracens game a few years ago, where there was a try scoring pass that could have put someone away for a bank or seven pointer, or there was a kick out on the full before half time that maybe a seven pointer." This game seemed a more thorough domination in some ways than the other two, which I found a little surprising going in. I wouldn't have thought that going into it. Yeah, look, I get the point on the on those moments, but I think. When you're assessing these things, and you think if you're assessing them correctly, in my opinion, you look for the trends. So I think you look for who was winning more collisions, who resourced rooks. Like I would say, I, I the, the easiest way to describe what I'm kind of thinking in my head is like who had more of the game, and that was quite clearly La Rochelle. So I wouldn't be looking to moments. Certainly, they could look to periods. And again, I mentioned that that period where. They didn't clear their lines and didn't get out of their 22 when they were under pressure. They needed to get further on down the pitch. Um, I think they can look to that. Just on that moment in particular, I get me to just get your opinion. Like they went, they opted for the box kick off the base of the rook. Yeah. The box kicks that kind of toner got those two kind of miracle steals when he didn't even yeah. jump. Like got away with one, but they gave them right back. Are you looking for maybe James Lowe as a kicking option there? He can boom that 50 meters down the pitch. Something like that, Will, is probably what I'm getting at. Yeah, I like, look, I think you'd have to... Look, I haven't looked at that part of the game closely enough. I'm looking at it on reflection here. Like, they'll be going into really... Well, I think they should be going into fine detail um, in, in, into that period and say, well, look, what happened there? What could we do better? Otherwise, there'll be no learnings from this. Um, and, and I'm sure they will do that. That, to, that stuck out in my mind as a period where I was kind of saying, what's happening here? Like, why... Like, you know, it needs to be an unbelievable take against a team that are leaving four in the backfield um, for Leinster to uh, get the ball back here and get back in the game. And clearly, you know, the longer the ball is in play here, these guys aren't going away, as I said earlier on. Um, and we're not we're, like we're not stopping them dead and we're not getting many turnovers. So, you know, after the first kind of maybe 25, 30 minutes, Leinster didn't really I didn't really feel like they were managing the, the, the kind of onslaught from La Rochelle very well. Um, so look, I, I think if they look back at the game, I wouldn't look for moments. Will I think they'll look at what I said earlier on? I think the defense was a problem. I said, as I said, the, the, the collisions have to happen further. I thought they looked flat, and the, what I what I mean what I mean by that is if you're playing against someone like that, a team with that, you need to be really sharp on your toes and getting off the line really quickly all day. I just didn't really have that impression from the game. That wasn't my impression. Um and I think that's that was the biggest thing that I thought was the sticking point for them. I also felt like they went wide a little too early on a number of occasions. Um, they almost got away, and I think they got away against Exeter, who aren't as good. I thought the others defend. La Rochelle defended very well. It must be said, but I thought they went wide a little bit too early, and as it, and, and and I thought they kept trying to play at that tempo, even when sometimes it wasn't really on. Like they didn't have many clear-cut opportunities that I can remember um, bar the try at the end uh, for a large period of the middle of the game. And I thought they didn't, you know, I, I felt like they they didn't recognise that and they just kept trying to do the same thing over and over again. And that's hard to get out of because you'll be practising in a certain rhythm 
you know, most of the, most of the time you're, you're, you're training. Um, but I felt like they never really changed that to a slower tempo to just try and build a little bit of pressure and play a little bit more negative. And I think that's my impressions from the game. If they'd done those two things, things a little bit better, um, I think they might have won the game. And I think it might have had that much of an impact that it would have turned it around. Um, because I don't think, I think if they start going back, like I thought the same thing about that final against Saracens a couple of years ago, where they were all talking about that pass that should have gone. They weren't in that game. They were like the scoreboard said they were, but if you looked at the game, they weren't. They lost loads. They lost about 80, like 70% of the collisions throughout the game. And generally in rugby, while the Saracens in that final didn't put points on the board, um, you lose the game. So that's what I'd be looking at if I was an answer. So why did I lose so many collisions? Um, and that'd be my general impression, Will. Yeah, and Neil, to that point on the collisions, obviously Will Skelton, they had been forewarned from that final two years ago how influential he was that day in in the last two rounds of the Champions Cup. I know it was against you know Gloucester and Sale, so maybe not a team as good as as Leinster, of course. But Skelton was so influential, and then he was unbelievable at the weekend. Like. Would, would you be a bit disappointed that they didn't come up with a better plan to stop him or to nullify him a bit more? He was he was so influential. <laughs> well, it's it's easy to say it, you know. Uh, well, I, I I was on the I was pitch side uh, before the uh, Saracens um, Leinster game in, in Newcastle, and just at the halfway line, and I was just. You know, you, you, you try and observe form. It's, it's like you know watching the horses in the ring. See, see if there's anybody injured. See who's up for it. Body language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Skelton, uh, Skelton walked off the pitch, and Billy Vunapola was not too far behind them. And I, I'm a big guy. I, I, I couldn't. I felt like Twiggy uh, beside him. He was just <laughs> enormous, and like size 19 boots, and I'd say two and a half inches taller than me and, you know, five stone, six stone heavier. Like, he is absolutely an enormous man. And and just, look, again, just looking at him, like, I mean, he, he's, he's he's an athlete, like, I mean, he had he had definition. Um, you know, he, he was carrying that sort of weight, but he, he had muscle definition. So, and he's, he's got everything. He's got great hands. Um, he has football. I've seen him kick the ball and, um, you know, he can jump. He can do pretty much. He can do much, pretty much everything. So, how do you how do you deal with a guy like that? I I just sort of thought that, um, you know, the when you're when you're dealing with somebody that big and and they do it with with Vunapola is you know it's by the shoelaces, uh, and then you 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 carry the risk of you know the offload because that's what he can do very well. Now I don't remember him offloading once. Uh, maybe he did, but. Um, you know there were too many, too many fellas falling off tackles, and they were they were I don't know they were tired um, mentally. The you know sort of when you tackle somebody like him and you're you're you have to do it in the 60th, 70th, 80th minute. You know you still keep your discipline and you go low. And you know the times when he imposed himself physically, particularly in the last kind of 30 minutes when he got on the ball a lot, he just everybody was trying to take him you know, sort of tall and they should have gone low and just put them to ground and, you know, take the risk with the, with the, uh, with the offload. Um, how do you, how do you combat them? <laughs> it's, it's very, very hard, you know? Uh, and, you know, I, I can't understand why Australia, I mean, I look at, I look at the guys they're using at the moment. I can't understand. Maybe it's the money, maybe La Rochelle are paying them very big money. I'm sure uh, Saracens were as well. But I can't understand why aren't why Australia aren't using this guy. He should be uh, he should be a hundred capper, and I don't think he'll play for Australia again. So he's he's happy to go for the money. Uh, in terms of trying to play him, uh, you, you know, sort of there's not much you can, you can do. Like he's a good lineout player. He's a very strong scrummager, obviously, and that's that that's a factor that a lot of people wouldn't um, wouldn't take into account that when when you have a tight head side uh, with Antonio and uh, Gregory Aldries and uh, Skelton scrummaging on on your tight head side, there, I mean, I, you know, how does how does how does Healy feel, you know, after after three or four scrums and when you have that sort of power coming against you? 
So um, we we all thought like kind of years ago that um, you know that big was out and everybody was going for for more athletic forwards. But so what happens? You know, on Sunday there when you have big brute forwards there and when they got on a roll and when they get on the front foot, it's very very difficult to stop them. Yeah, and Skelton's probably the favourite for European Player of the Year, along with Dupont. Whoever comes out on top in the final will, will probably get it. And Luke, in terms of those talking points coming out of the game, one thing that's been talked about, and it's pretty much talked about whenever Leinster do lose a big game, is the level of competition they receive throughout the year um, in the Pro 14, obviously. Um, this this time around, I don't know how you feel about it. Like They, they played Exeter, a really good team, away from home, and they beat them. So they didn't seem to be suffering that day, but it's been brought up again. I saw Brian Andrisco talking on Off the Ball saying that he thought it was definitely an issue. Where do you weigh in on that? Um, I hadn't considered it as an issue for them. I think they had a bad day. Um, as you said, like you know, Exeter are a pretty good team. They were the champions last year, um, and they, they put them away very easily a couple of weeks ago. Um, it help anyway. <laughs> sorry, what it doesn't help. Yeah, it couldn't. No, I don't know if it does. Look, I think um, I think they had a bad day, and I think La-, La Rochelle had a very good day. Like I think they've probably had that. that they probably had that too many times. I wouldn't be falling back on that excuse. Look, I, I think what it has done is it creates great competition for places in Leinster um, because they have fifty-eight guys who have played this this year. I think. Um, I would say that competition actually is a good thing. And generally the guys have performed very well with a good rest. Like Leinster's first 15 or 23 generally are all international. So they're very well rested or as opposed to other people, they're not in, in other teams in France, they get they, to play huge minutes. Now I know they've managed that a little bit better, um, you know, over the last couple of years. And there's an agreement there with the league and the FFR, but still, I, I something that they can fall back on in this case because two weeks ago they had a, a huge match uh, against Exeter and they, and, and they beat them and then against Munster while Munster didn't show up that's still a very physical game um, and I thought they did very well on both occasions so um, I don't buy it uh, I, 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 have, I haven't bought that um, really as an excuse I think they need to look at uh, you know what they're doing in these big games that's that's causing them issues because it's continuously you know uh, I, well I think it's continuously overplaying and I think it's the passive the, the little bit of passive nature and a few big days in defence that have cost them. If you're asking me honestly, the two biggest things that I've noticed that that's what I think I look at and mm-hmm. I say those Saracens games and the, that that game on the weekend were were I, I thought they were the biggest issues that they should be looking at and I, I felt like that's been the recurring team on the big day for them over the last couple of years and I, and I would say if the coaching staff are looking back at the game that's what they look at I think they knew that there was going to be occasions when the 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 mall was going to be very hard to contain with the weight that that La Rochelle had I thought the scrum actually held up pretty well Neil might have a um you know, uh, 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 he'd obviously have a better understanding of that of that than me. Even though they came under pressure at certain points, you'd expect that against that pack. Like it's just a huge bunch of men, um, and and them all at times. Now, I didn't think they defended the la- the the Will Skelton one very well. I thought that was very poor. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I, I thought they actually did okay in those things. And you'd expect to be under pressure. The rest of the game is where I felt like they they they'll be looking at on you know on Monday they would have been looking at saying that wasn't good enough and that wasn't to our standard. We can be better than that. Like, I feel like if, if Leinster and La Rochelle had 10 games, I still think Leinster would win seven or eight of them, would be my opinion. Mm. And Neil, I'd be interested to get your opinion on, on, on the league element of it because obviously, like Luke doesn't think it's a big issue, but I suppose it is in stark contrast to La Rochelle and say Exeter, who they played in the previous round, they would have a lot more games where they're playing very tough teams. They're, they're kind of pitting their wits against the premier teams in Europe. Do you think that does play a factor, or would you agree with Luke? No, I. You know, you, you look at Exeter, and I mean the Premiership is, is looks pretty thin at the moment. So your your best three sides there at the moment are Leicester, who seem to have uh, a little bit of a, a renaissance going on, Bristol, and and Exeter, and uh, like Leicester went over to Exeter. You know, how many how many places are you are you kind of scared of going to? Like so, there are there are about four or five venues around Europe that you're just sort of saying, okay, that's really really tough place to go, you know. So Claremont in Claremont, Blues in Toulouse, you know, Exeter in uh, Sandy Sandy Park, and uh, La Rochelle, 
now La Rochelle in, um, in, in France. And there are places that Leinster have gone to, like Leinster have won away in Toulouse, they've won away in Claremont, they've now won away in, in Sandy Park, they've won pretty much everywhere. Uh, they didn't win in, um, in La Rochelle. And, you know, so how, how good is that? You know, they've, they've beaten Lyon, who are, who are a very decent side. They've beaten Montpellier. Okay, they were struggling a little bit. They went over to Montpellier and knocked the stuffing out of them. So it, it shouldn't it shouldn't phase Leinster in terms of who they're playing against or, or what league, uh, you know, that, that, that they're up against. So, like I said, like I, I, I was I was looking at, you know, <laughs> sort of how how they'd get on against Toulouse because no matter what, I didn't think that they'd underperform uh, and I thought they'd be clever enough uh, to deal with what um, our shell were going to throw at them. Um, so in terms of the standards, you know, do you remember three years ago, Lara Shell came onto the scene and they beat, I, I think they beat, um, they beat somebody by 50 points and they looked like world beaters. And then they got beaten by, uh, the, they got beaten in the last couple of games in their pool section and they ended up playing Scarlet's um, in, in in Parky Scarlet and Scarlet knocked the stuffing out of them and then they disappeared like they disappeared for two or three seasons they didn't go anywhere and everybody expected them to do well in, in uh, the bouclier and they didn't come anywhere they weren't they just didn't feature and for a season or two you know they, they were pretty average finished mid-table didn't get into the Heineken Cup did, you know didn't get out of their didn't get out of their pools and suddenly they're back in again, um, and they look good. Now they have recruited very well, uh, and a lot of the things that they 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 have done uh, work very well. They seem to be a far better, a far fitter side than I would have given them credit for. And their discipline, uh, despite their, their uh, sort of a tricky first twenty minutes, so you only know how good they are because um, you know you'll see how how they perform against Toulouse and Twickenham. You know, and then you'll find out how good they are because uh, Lens are just, I don't know, they just didn't play as smart as they should have. And they just control the game. And, and, and it's one of the things there, like if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, which teams win Heineken Cups, invariably, okay, you have to have a pack. But it's, it's down to the halfbacks. And, you know, the Toulouse halfbacks, DuPont and Entmac, are just fabulous players. They control the game. They can do anything they want. Once their pack is motoring, they can control the game. And on or on Sunday, uh, Ohio West and Kerr Barlow, they control the game. And that's that was the big difference uh, between the two sides there, just your control at halfback and what they're able to do. Now, they got a little bit of an armchair ride, but like I said, I don't think Luke McGrath had his best game. And I certainly, again... You know, just when you think Ross Byrne, you know, has settled into uh, into the throne, you know, another average performance. And you know, there were a couple of couple of guys that Lancer missed. You know, I, I think certainly, um, I think Ruddock going off that was a huge blow to the performance. And I just think, you know, the difference between, you know, coming on, you know, the way like I mean, it's sort of all the way through the week. You know the pressure is on. You're, you have you've got to produce a big performance, uh, and you're starting. And everything from from the first training session on Monday to the dressing room just before you go out onto the onto the pitch, and there's always huge pressure on you. And then, you know, if if you're on the bench and suddenly the you know the game is going well, and you come in and you you know the pack are doing well and everybody's performing well, and you have to come in after sort of 25 or 30 minutes. That's an easy play, you know, whereas, you know, Ross Byrne has to demonstrate now at this stage that he can start games, particularly the big games, and perform uh, as well as he did, you know, when he came on against Exeter. Um, so I just think our halves did not perform anyway near where we expected them to play. And they were they were completely outplayed, even though they got an armchair ride by the two uh, by the two Kiwis that uh, that looked very very good. 
Yeah, Luke, you know, in terms of Ross Burns' performance, how did, how did you rate it? How did you assess it? Obviously, Johnny missing. As Mina said, it was a big setup to come in from the start. Look, I think there's still a gap between the two, between Johnny and Ross. I certainly think that Ross has closed that gap. Um, I think he probably needs to play more regularly for him to really be settling in to starting as, as, the, as the Team 10 um, now he's gotten lots of games. Someone will point to that, but I still think you'd like to like Johnny's had a couple of years where he just played everything, you know, um, particularly for Ireland. And I think, um, you know, Ross probably needs a little bit of that. I think he's got a good head in his shoulders. I thought he got stuck in for the most part in the weekend, uh, in, in a tough day out. Um, and generally I thought he was, he was pretty good actually from, from uh, like what, what I really thought they struggled at was they got no, I, I thought there was a combination of the referee letting La Rochelle, letting La Rochelle away uh, with a bit at the rook. I mean, I thought the, the ball presentation was really poor for Leinster. I think of how many times Luke McGrath, you know, had to go in digging to get the ball out. Um, I thought he let them away a little bit after pinging them nonstop at the start of the game. He just stopped, uh, stopped refereeing them, I thought. Um, and I actually think it was just as an aside on the referee, because I don't want to be too critical of La Rochelle. I thought they were very good and they rode him well after, but um the referees you have to have at least 10 or 15 french words to communicate with them during open play i thought that's a really unfair advantage and i thought at the start of the game they probably got pinged a little more than they should now generally their the french team's discipline is, is pretty poor i think um fairly sweeping statement but i think that's that'll probably be backed up um if you look back closely at the data on it i, I would imagine it would be um but i thought that was a big issue for leinster's halfbacks is they got no really good ball like if you think of how quick and how slick Kerbalu looked and now he had a super game I agree with Neil uh, and Ohio West looked very solid um, without like he didn't let you know light the world up he was very good off the tee that created scoreboard pressure but Kerbalu was outstanding I thought if you saw how quick the delivery was and as some of his sniping runs to keep Leinster guessing in the tight exchanges, I thought they were really good um, and on like when you compare the other halves performance I really feel like a lot of that was impacted by how poor the ball presentation was um, combination of, I think, inaccuracy at the Rook. I thought, you know, there were there were some great turnovers by La Rochelle at the same time. I thought the referee was poor, but I thought Leinster's accuracy in there and uh, aggression was poor. And off the back of that, I thought it was made it for a very difficult day for the two halfbacks. And I think that's what we saw, Will. I wouldn't be, I, like, I think Ross Byrne is definitely not as good as Johnny Sexton may never be. Um, but I think he's definitely bridged the gap. And I didn't think he was the main issue for, for Leinster losing the game in the weekend. I thought it was very much lost, uh, you know, in the physical confrontation. And I thought the pack, uh, who have been unbelievable for so long, had an off day. And I think that was really the, the main issues. And I think that fed through to the rest of the team. Mm. And just to finish up on Leinster, Neil, it was interesting. Stuart Lancaster was at a press conference yesterday and I suppose three years now without a Champions Cup, he was asked a bit about the Leinster ethos or the Leinster project or how they're going about their business with a homegrown squad predominantly. There's no big signings coming in next year. There's obviously a guy from the Crusaders coming in to play tie head prop, but he's expected to be more of a filler in the gap when Furlong and Porter are away. And he was kind of, no, I wouldn't say staunchly defending it, but he was very kind of bullish about, he, he firmly believes that this isn't, a case of the French teams have pulled away or Leinster can't compete at the top table anymore in terms of winning the tournament. He was, he was, he came out kind of fighting the team's corner in a way. Uh, do you agree with them? Do you think that this, the squad, the kind of homegrown approach they're taking is good enough to win another European cup? Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with them. Like just, you know, it was just a bad day. And, you know, when, when you're, your luck is in and it's one of those great intangibles there where you don't sometimes, you can train really well and you know perform poorly, so nobody knows how you're going to go. Um, you know, the, they they just didn't. You know, sort of like I, I thought after 20 minutes, I thought, okay, they keep this up, they're going to win, and it didn't happen. And one of the things that um, I always say it about, you know, halftime. So who got the best? Who got a better team talk? Who was smarter at halftime? I think certainly O'Gara and Gibbs uh, were were far smarter. And the way uh, La Rochelle played in the second half, you know, the the instructions they got and the the corrections that they they made in in what they did made a huge difference. And I think Leinster were kind of struggling 
you know, they needed, you know, a, a mental impetus there. And I don't think they got it. Uh, but I would agree with, with Lancaster in the sense that they're, they're still good enough. Uh, they're still good enough to win. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, if that match was played in the RDS, I, you know, I would have fancied Leinster all day long. And you'd also fancy Leinster to win against Toulouse and Twickenham. Uh, because they're they're an easier side to play against to play football, uh, and I I'd fancy uh, I'd fancy Toulouse to win the final, uh, but again you never know. Like them, I mean, they two very uh, smart sets of coaches. You just don't know uh, what type of game. Like I I would I would hate you know if La Rochelle went back into their shell and uh, played very defensive, a bit like you know some of the the quarterfinals that all the French teams played in and they just they just clam up and they just play crap rugby. Um so, you know, if if La Rochelle try and play a very one dimensional type of game, I think Toulouse will do them. So I think that they've no choice but to start playing, you know, the type of football that we've seen them play. Um, you know, and that's that's where Leinster will have to I, I just think and I don't want to harp on because we could go on for hours and hours about it there, but Again, no offloads, absolutely. So you know, four 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 players in the backfield. Um, you know, you're getting a hard time at tight. You're you're losing the physical collisions. What other choice do you have? And it's you've got to try and, and play an offloading game. And, and we just didn't do it. I think there was I don't know was there four, three or four offloads by Leinster in the game, and and that's where they have to um, particularly. In, in, in days like this, when you're playing in April and May, the sun is shining and you can play the offload game. And if you're faced with much bigger pack, I think that's your only that's your only chance. That's your only option. And they've got to consider that now seriously. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what tactically they bring to the table uh, when they when they get to the business end next year. And Luke, just to finish up on the, on the Champions Cup chat before we just do a little lines talk before we, we end it. I think you're, you might be best place to talk to this. I think we're kind of guilty of overlooking it sometimes when, when we see Leinster and Munster getting to the business end so regularly and maybe falling short. It's a really difficult tournament to win. Like, you know, you won it three times, you know, but if you look back at those ones even, like beating Claremont and Claremont, so, like there was a knock-on at the last play, Fafan almost scored. Like the Northampton game, you were down at half time. You know, Harlequins, the real narrow mark. It's a very difficult tournament to win. And I suppose, because the RSC are so consistent to get into the business end, we probably take for granted or feel like they should be winning it every year or they should. And they obviously, you know, Leinster lose a game. We have to be critical. Munster lose a game. We have to be critical. But it, like the Champions League, it's a very, very difficult tournament to win, especially when you're going away to France in the semi-final. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, and that's definitely, that was definitely our experiences of those teams. I think, um, you know, it goes on for a good bit longer than the Six Nations. So you'll have lots of things like there'll be people who are injured at different periods during the year. And the complexion of that changes a lot. You have people coming in and out of the team. You have to be consistent for a very long period of time. And it's not like the games are consecutive. Do you know that kind of way? Like, oh, like the Six Nations, you have that little bit of, I suppose, momentum together. Even if the first couple of games can be a little bit tricky because you're only coming together, you don't have that. But I think you get a little bit of continuity at least. And that's probably not that. That probably doesn't really happen during um, during the, the Heineken Cup. And that's, that that can make it difficult. But it is extremely difficult. It, it, it's, you know, nine kind of games generally, you know, and, and it's very bloody hard to to, to win the thing. Um, and took Leinster a very long period of time. Took Munster a very long time to even win it once. Um, what I think is, you know, it does get the reason we have those expectations is because we realize that it does take a long time to learn how to win it. That might play pretty hard against La Rochelle in the weekend, and they've already lost at home to Toulouse this year. Um, so I wonder, is there something in the back of their mind, a bit of a hoodoo, that they'll have to get over and, and play very well in the final? Like Neil said, they might have to play slightly differently, you know, less cagey um, if they want to beat Toulouse. Um, but I think, you know, we have the expectation so high because. Both of the like we Leinster have learned to win this thing, you know they've won it four times now, so they shouldn't be having days like this where they're they're I suppose three in a row where we're disappointed and we feel like they should they should have put on a better show and they didn't do themselves justice and that's why we're probably being a bit critical today or we're very disappointed and the expectations are high. Um, I would say that's been earned that expectation. Um, but you completely agree with the point 
seriously hard competition to win. Uh, and I think La Rochelle might find that out. Uh, listen, Toulouse might. It's a long time since they've won it too. Um, so, you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be a really interesting encounter to see who comes out on top there. You know, and injuries will definitely play a part. Like, it'll be interesting to see. It looked like Bottier wasn't, wasn't going to be available. Like even Leinster on the weekend, no Doris, you know, Ruddock off. Uh, you know, Will Connors was brilliant this year. No sign of him. He would have been a great guy to have. A few of those guys would have been great to have on the bench. They could have made a difference and provided some impetus. Um, and maybe that was something that I noticed as well in the Leinster game. There was a little bit of that. They were missing a few guys like Johnny Sexton, you know, was a big loss to any team. So there was a few bits there that probably didn't help Leinster on the day. Um, and yeah, it's good that the expectations are high because I think that's been earned. Well, sorry to answer your point. Yeah. And I say I, I wasn't trying to like kind of excuse Irish teams from not winning the tournament because obviously Leinster the last couple of years have been strong favourites and they should have ought to have brought on a European Cup. I was just merely making the point, I yeah. guess. But we Can I just add to that to, like, to, as well? Because like I think the point about the league is wrong because if you think about it, most of that Leinster team have just come off Six Nations experience and they've had two big games against a very quality, like a Munster team, which are high quality um, and they've played against Exeter. I, I just want to completely rubbish that. I think that's a, that's an excuse that they need to forget about now because that's not, that's not right. Uh, and they need to, and if Leinster are talking about that, they need to stop talking about that and focus on the things that they can control and their performance that were poor on the weekend. Well, it's funny you say that because Stuart Lancaster actually did mention about He's like, I can't wait until the South African team. I'm slightly paraphrasing, but he's like, really looking forward to the South African teams coming in to give them that physical test. So perhaps it is something they've been considering themselves that they don't get that kind of litmus test, even physically, like, you know, the beefier teams. But it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, Neil, just before we finish up, Lions selection tomorrow, obviously. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts are in terms of the Irish representation that we might see when the squad is announced. A couple of guys... Will definitely be there, you think, Henshaw, Ty Furlong, Ty Byrne. Some people like Johnny Sexton, a bit of kind of up in the air whether he'll make the cut. Like, what, what's your sense? Well, I think um, the, you know, from the for the other, other provinces, too, I think Ty Byrne will go. I think Conor Murray will go. And I think Ian Henderson will go. Uh, and there was a huge amount, I think, at stake uh, last Sunday. And I think. The guys with, you know, outside chances, they're gone. They won't, you know, they're, they're, there's no chance uh, happening. One of the things you've got to understand is that, that you know, that um, La Rochelle pack, you know, the, the, you're, you're looking at a Springbok pack, you know, that size and that powerful leg. So, you know, if Leinster didn't perform against, you know, a big monster pack, well then, what would they do down in South Africa? You know, so guys like who had outside chances like Conan, Van der Fleer, you know, they're not going to happen. Um, I, I, now, I could be wrong. I, I just sort of think that um, James Ryan might be a, a casualty here. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's right. Um, I don't think uh, he, he has certainly a huge amount of credit in the bank, and I think that's the only thing saving him, but he's He's just well off uh, the sort of performances that you know we expect from him, and I just think you know the two brain injuries that he suffered. He's just not sharp enough. You know, good quality players. You know, they anticipate things, they move quicker, they uh, just get things done quicker, they see things quicker, and he's just not there yet. That's you know that's why you're you know your 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 quality players. That's what they do. They're the reason why they're they're better players than anybody else is because they can see that. And I don't see that in him now. I just think you know if you look at his stats over you know since the you know since the championship, his stats are well down. And I I think that's part of the the problem. Uh, and I I just think he hasn't played well enough. And I think he could be a casualty. I think Sexton too could be a casualty. Um. You know, it's you know if they had if they had won and they had played well and they had a dominant game, you could see eight Leinster players going. And now you can, I can only see five. And you know, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of casualties there. We've no representation there. There's nobody fighting our cause. And I think you know, I think the Irish are going to suffer uh, as a, as a result of that. And you know, there's going to be a couple. There's going to be a couple of omissions there. And 
a certain degree, you, you can't quibble with them, you know. So I, I just think, you know, if, if Leinster gets five or six, which could be the the most from any club uh, in the Lions, uh, you know, but I, I just don't think they're going to get as many as they thought be, beforehand. And I think possibly Sexton, although I think they should bring Sexton, uh, I think Sexton and Ryan could be in the firing line there. Could be completely wrong, but uh, we'll, we'll know what... Uh, Half half eleven or twelve o'clock on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, look, there is a sense of that. Like we picked our squad before the weekend. I think we probably would have picked a slightly different squad potentially now. Um. Yeah. Look, I can't argue with a lot of what Neil said there. Really, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the last point on Sexton, but I would probably add that I think he has to go. Uh, I don't think Finn Russell can start. I don't think he. I don't think he's as good as the the other two, uh, even on his best day. I don't think that, um, and I think Johnny um, could still start the tests for you. And he was brilliant in the Six Nations and finished the three eighty-minute games in a, you know there as well. So that that all worked out well for him. Or three or four eighty-minute games. Sorry. So he was really good in the Six Nations. I thought um, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like as in. He certainly has more in the tank. I would like to see. I think he might get there with credit in the in the bank, but certainly the, that game won't have helped. Um, although I did think he ha- he was the only guy who actually looked like when he actually came into co- into contact with Skelton that he could take him down. I don't think there's that anyone where Luby's going to win that collision. Maybe one of the Vunapolas, but uh, other than that, uh, he was he actually managed him very well. Anytime he came into contact with him, I think Furlong goes. I think Porter goes. Um, on the back of that, uh, I suppose, good performances, excellent performances, but also his uh, adaptability. Um, I would have Healy there. Not a popular decision, but uh, from from what I gather on uh, Twitter, <laughs> maybe that's not a good place to go. I thought he had a good game for, for, for large parts of that on the weekend. Um, as Neil said, under serious pressure, the weight and the power coming in from on that tight head side in La Rochelle, I thought he managed it really well for the first 55, 60 minutes, actually. Um, and then I think, um, you know, Henshaw will go. Um, I actually think, do you know what I I wonder who, who I thought had two brilliant games in, in, a, in, a, in a beaten pack? I thought Kelleher was really good and he was excellent against Exeter. Now, I think they'll probably go with Cameron Dickey based on international experience. Um, that's very tight call. But Kelleher was really good in the weekend. I don't know what Neil, Neil might have a better yeah. view on that than me. Yeah, no, I I, I, was I, I'd agree with you. I the think throwing he, was really good, Neil. Yeah, he was. He was very good. Um, but they made up. They might have already made their mind up. Um, yeah. You know, on on the hooker front. Um, you know, and and you look at the. You know, if you're looking at the scouting people, then you look back at the Leinster Exeter game and you say Kelleher was so vastly superior to Luke. Cowan Dickey in that game and you just say okay mm. that's got to count for something and then you know this guy Sam Simmons like I mean you know all these people picking their you know their lion selections like Harlequins are you know there are English pundits and, and, and correspondents there and they're, they're having four Harlequin players um, you know Marler uh, Danny Kerr uh, Alex Dombrandt and uh, Marcus Smith you, you just wonder what drugs they're on, but you, you never know like what's going to happen. Their care might get in. Well, funny, D- Danny Kerr actually like co-hosts one of those podcasts, so I think he has a good information <laughs> in the media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it is a tricky one, isn't it? And I think like that won't have helped. And we all probably assumed that there'd be a big Leinster performance away in France, and a lot of those guys would solidify their positions. Um, uh, like I would say, maybe those discussions have already happened, but who knows? Like I mean, it's not unheard of that I'd say. You know, there's probably is there probably ten places maybe still up for grabs that maybe the coaches are going to be discussing late into tonight before they make a call on it. Um, that game won't have helped the case for some of those guys who are probably in that 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 like Ringrose is another guy maybe who who they might be considering. Um, and you know, uh, like you know, he hasn't he hasn't lit the stage up. He, he had a few good moments, but um, didn't really stand out. Uh, as a result of the team performance, probably as well. But well, I, th- I think one of the one of the one of the things about about the, the whatever about the team, I think what is is very uh, important 
tomorrow with the announcement is is the uh, is the itinerary. You know, I I think that's huge because they you know they they posted the itinerary, the original itinerary. Will you know will will that be going ahead? You know, and if if it doesn't, if they add or subtract fixtures there, that'll very much uh, you know dictate what sort of a what sort of a squad they pick. Um, you know, like I mean, if they're it's. It's not a long tour, but it might seem much longer, particularly for the players, because they're just going to be locked up. It could be the could be the worst lined tour of all time from a from a player's perspective, you know. Yeah, Neil. Just, just the last question before we let you go. Are, are you excited to have Warren Gatlin back in your life now? I know you've written a lot about him over the years. A, a tub of flora that comment comes to mind. <laughs> I miss him. I really do miss him. One, actually, one of the <laughs> one of the things. Uh, is that uh, I don't know whether you've noticed it there, but the the Chiefs won nothing last year when Waza was in charge, and now he's often his line sabbatical, and they started winning all around them. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting. It is a it's a sort of an interesting thing, and, and like the the team that he picks will tell you an awful lot about how he intends to how he intends the the the, the team to play. Um, but yeah, he, he's, um, he's, he's, he's such a dour guy, but he is, uh, he's Hollywood, uh, he's box office and uh, it's great to have him back. Like, I mean, you know, the way, like, I mean, of all the guys in the six nations there, all you had was Eddie Jones and that was just wasn't worth, you know, whereas you miss Waza and you, you miss, you know, the odd little grenade that he throws out into the, into the hemisphere. Uh, so I'm uh, looking forward to getting, I don't know, two months of them anyway. Uh, so it can keep me occupied. <laughs> I think we're all looking forward to it. Uh, and the announcement tomorrow, I'm sure there's, there's going to be a few grenades thrown in uh, right from the off. In the meantime, Luke, Neil, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, thanks, well. Well. Cheers, Frano. That's all we have time for this week on the Left Wing Podcast. We will be back next week with another show. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen to independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.